This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. I'm glad about the change that God provides through the truth of His Word. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Chapter 5, we now have for the last, this is, uh, I believe, the third week into it, we've now been introducing you to the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we are going into the teaching on the Beatitudes, but the Beatitudes is at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And so I told you that the scripture that stands out to me, at least it stood out to me, and after delving into it a little bit, it helped open up. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, including the Beatitudes, was Matthew 5 and 2. And it reads, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Very, seems like a very tiny, maybe insignificant scripture to some people, but uh, when you stop and take notice and you ask these three questions. Who is he? Who are them? And what did he teach? It causes you to do a little bit of study. And... When you do, you find out that Matthew has a flow to it. The book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, has a flow to it. And I told you we were going to go over three sections, or four sections. The first three sections, we're going to deal with those questions. Who is he? Who is them? What does he teach? And after answering those, then we would be equipped, or better equipped, to go into the Sermon on the Mount, which which starts with the Beatitudes. So the question of who is he? He's the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. He is the seed of the woman. In other words, he is the promised king. The throne is his. It belongs to him. That's who he is. And as we looked at that, we found out that Matthew introduced him that way before Matthew chapter 5, so we would understand the king speaks. And then the question, who is them? Them was constituted of a multitude. And that multitude was made up of many people who, how do you say it? The world wouldn't look at them and say, I want to follow after them. The world wouldn't look at them and say, I want to hang with them. The world wouldn't look at them and say, I want to, we don't want to be them. But I tell you this, they're following. I like that idea. Got too many people who are following as long as I'm somebody the world can't admire. I don't know if you see this like I see it, but what I see is a crowd of, can I say it this way, the old mothers. You may not be able to tell from the outside, but he's kept me. I see someone not celebrating the big things, but celebrating there's food on the table. There's someone celebrating when I was sick, he raised me. That's what I hear, that's what I see in the midst of the multitudes. Not people looking uh, to say, look what I got, look what he gave me. No, no, he's just been faithful. People who've had hard times but learn that God is still God in the hard times. And you can count on him. Again, when, when I think about the woman with the issue of blood, 12 long years, but she hadn't given up her faith on God and the true and the living God. These people had heard the promises. These people knew about the promised king to come, the Messiah to come. And that's why I could just, I can just experience almost, almost be in the midst of that and just the relief that they had when he shows up. 
And I love it. I'm just thinking about AMC the other night. He didn't come saying, I'm the king. He came and he healed. He came and he taught them and preached them. He preached the gospel. You know, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's recorded in Matthew when he goes and he, uh, to Peter's house and Peter's wife's mother is sick and he heals her. But then it talks about the multitude who came after that to be healed. Well, I like the way Luke puts it. Again, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head the exact scripture, but Luke says he healed every one of them. See, to me, that's the imagery. It's like when at the breaking of the day, He's working. At the end of the day, he's working. And then at the end of the day, they bring all these people to him. He said, I got time for each and every one of them. He didn't come and say, I'm king, but he is the king. Matthew wants us to know that. He is the king, and those that follow him, you know what? They're the king's people. And and make no mistake about it. We saw it in John chapter 8 when he speaks, other people are going to hear, but he's speaking to a particular people. These truly are his disciples. And he has a word for them. Man, you know, I've got to stop right there because the church needs to wake up. See, because it seems like a lot of times when you turn on the TV, can I I go here? When When you turn on the TV, it is a race to see who has the most material behind the pulpit. Talk about the things that they have. But the king... Didn't come and gather them. He gathered the people who needed, but who were still standing. I know, I I know that that goes contrary to the word of faith. (laughs) You have not because you didn't ask. Well, in all honesty, maybe you have because you didn't get it from God. But I hear those. Not having everything, but standing strong. Yeah, but he kept me and he didn't need to keep me with a bunch of material stuff. That's who is them. Who is them? That's who they are. And then what did he teach? He taught the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at that and we saw that the kingdom of heaven is both a current age and a future age to come. And in this current age, he reigns in our hearts. But in the future age to come, the government will be on his shoulder. And I like how First Corinthians puts it, and we will know, even as we're known. Hallelujah. Looking forward to that day. And you'll see it in the Beatitudes. You know, people say it, well, he knows me better than I know myself. Yeah, he does. And his banner over you is love. His thoughts of you are good and not of evil. Amazing. What a mighty king. Long live the king. Oh, his life is never ending. Hallelujah, what a king. All right, so now that we have dealt with those three questions somewhat, now with those things addressed, I believe we're ready to enter into the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, it begins with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is not the Sermon on the Mount. It's just the first thing that we're giving out of 
what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with the Beatitudes, you're going to find the king speaking. And in the midst of his speaking, there's going to be correction. There's going to be conviction. There's going to be exhortation. There's going to be provoking. It's all in there. I'm telling you, it's quite the sermon. And you'll see that as we go along. Now, again, we're just going to dip our toe into the Beatitudes. We'll have more teaching coming after me regarding the Beatitudes. And then we'll go forward with some more teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. But it's, I mean, how do I say this? If, here's my outline of the Sermon on the Mount. I'll just say it that way. Here's my outline. Again, when you go through the Sermon on the Mount, it might seem at points and times as though it goes from one place to the next place, but I don't believe it does that. I believe there's order in this that we have recorded and that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the first section, part one of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, take with it what you will, leave it if you want to. This is just based on my study. But part one of the Sermon on the Mount, I would call it God's assessment. God's assessment. I say God's assessment, but in all honesty, it's the king's assessment. And that would go from Matthew 5, verse 3, through verse 16. And then it moves to another section, part 2. And I would call this part the place of the law. The place of the law. And that would go from Matthew 5, verse 17, and run through verse 48. And then, after that, there's part 3. And the main, the main word in part 3 is focus. Focus. That's the main word. But it's focused on God and his kingdom. And that's the whole of Matthew chapter 6. And then to round it out, part four would be the counsel of our king. The counsel of our king. Um, how do I say it? Well, when the king speaks, uh, you know, uh, you'd be foolish if you're a member of the kingdom not to take his counsel. <laughs> Amen. So, I would put it into four parts, which start with, again, God's assessment. That's what we're going to find in the Beatitudes. We're going to find God's assessment or the king's assessment. And then after that, it's going to move into the place of the law and then focus on God and his kingdom. And then he rounds it out with the counsel of our king. So let's get into this in the Beatitudes. Now, we call this the Beatitudes. It is a word that has stuck it is known as the Beatitudes because it's taken from a Latin word from, for, uh, for blessed. That's where the Beatitudes come from. Okay, so don't get tripped up about the name. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. It's just how we know it. Just like the Sermon on the Mount. You won't find that in the scriptures written out like that, but we identify it that way. It's just an easy way for us to identify it. Now, let's just read through this quickly. Verses 3 through 12, what we call the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So that's the Beatitudes. And you, you see the common word throughout. Blessed. Okay. Now I'm going to take this from our, our founding pastor and I'm going to give it back to you. But as it pertains to the Beatitudes, it is descriptive before it's prescriptive. You know, when you hear that, you're like, what? <laughs> no, when I first heard it, like, what? But after you understand, then you kind of flow with it. But the Beatitudes in itself, when, when the Lord gives it, when the King gives it, it is descriptive before it's prescriptive. In other words, it details a description, and then it gives a future reality. So it gives you a description, and then it gives you a future reality. So you get details of the current condition versus the future assurance. See, I will remain confident in this. See, something's coming. And the current condition and something coming, I don't know how to say it. It's best just to go through the Beatitudes. <laughs> but it, it details the current condition versus the future assurance. And it's an assurance of those who are faithful to God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Not those who are faithful members of the church. Of the local church. Those who are faithful to God. You understand that? We've got a lot of people who are members of local churches. But there's no assurance in being a member of a local church. You just have a name on the roll. But there's an assurance to those who are faithful to God. But that's the structure of the Beatitudes. It talks about the current condition. See, it's descriptive before it talks about the future assurance, the prescription. So it's descriptive before it is prescriptive. Now, I will say this, and it'll come, it will become more and more clear as we go along. And it kind of goes with what you've been hearing on Sunday morning, but there is a word that is missing here that is prominent throughout verses 3 through 12. And the word is the world. And it'll begin, it'll be, it will begin to become more and more evident to you as we go through the Beatitudes and what's going on in the Beatitudes, how the world is actually playing a prominent role, even though it's not explicitly spoken in this exact section of scripture. So looking at verse number three. This is where I want to spend my time. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's that term. Kingdom of heaven. And it's no accident that it's the first thing mentioned. And we've already detailed to you about the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So God has to reign in your heart. And don't forget this. Do not forget this. There's a current age and then there's a future age. 
You cannot rest that today, because you're with God, that tomorrow you're going to stay with Him. You've got to labor. See, because He reigns in your heart now, there will be challenges. And so, therefore, He tells His disciples, you must abide. You must remain. You must, be, you must persevere. Why? Because there's a future age coming. You've got to hold on. Remember we said it last time, you've got to wait for it. Don't get out of line right now. There's something coming. So you've got to hold on to your faith all the way to the end. Uh, again, do you see who them is? See people holding on to their faith. In spite of the outside circumstances, they're holding on. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you see that throughout this uh, Beatitudes, even through verse 12, the, the main word is blessed. We love the word blessed. Christendom loves the word, word blessed. You know, people outside of Christendom love the word blessed. Okay, when you hear somebody say, I'm blessed, that doesn't mean that they're a believer. <laughs> it means they use the word. That's all it means. Now, I'm going to say this, and it might mess up some of you word folk, but it's okay. So, if you were to look this up in Strong's Concordance, which I did, the word is makarios, and it means supremely blessed. It says, by extension, it means fortunate, well off, happy. And that's where, if you're around word people and you mention happy, I ain't living by happiness. I understand. <laughs> okay. I understand. Let's slow down, though. Let, 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 let's, let's hear this out. Because this is going to be good. <laughs> and, and, and when we go forward with this, when we talk about the word blessed, it is an often used term in various circles. It's an often used term. I don't even know if I want to say it's overused, okay? But it's an often used term. And what do we do? We ascribe being blessed to getting a high-paying job. Getting a job when you're not paid at all. I guess that's high-paying enough, right? I'm blessed, right? And I'm not saying that's wrong, okay? I'm just saying we use the term. We use the term blessed when uh, um, some of us get married, right? You're blessed. And that ought to be a blessing, your husband ought to be a blessing, wise. <laughs> husband, your wives ought to be a blessing. It, 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 you know, it ought to be that way. But we call ourselves blessed when those things occur. You know, when, when uh, <laughs> at the grocery store they forget to, to scan your one item and you make it out there. I'm blessed. <laughs> is, that, is that so? You know, we got shirts, paraphernalia, mugs. Too blessed to be stressed. I mean, it's an often used term. And so we throw it out there. And again, I'm not saying anything is wrong about saying it that way. But I'm going to give you a simple term for blessed so we can work with that and go from there, right? So blessed means to be well off at the highest level. So when it says supremely blessed, that means you've reached a certain height. All right? So it means to be well off at the highest level. And we're going to work from there, okay? And I believe even in the different... 
circles, even in the different religions, uh, even in the different philosophies that use the word blessed, I believe they would agree with that. It's to be well off at the highest level. And again, it's open to so much interpretation by so many different people. If you were just to go and look it up and, and find what uh, certain cultures say about what it means to be blessed, it would blow your mind. It gets a little bit too deep. <laughs> again, we've heard about the philosophies of this world and the philosophy. Go and, find, and look up what it means for them to be blessed or in their mind what it means to be blessed. And like, what in the world? So we're going to keep it simple. Okay, that's me. I like to keep things simple. It can't be too complicated for me or I can't follow. That, that's just me. So it means to be well off at the highest level. Now follow me with this. Okay, and you'll see this as we go along. It'll become clearer and clearer to you. But blessed has to do with what you have going for you. It has to do with what you have going for you. Or what you possess. Or what is counted as yours. You stay with me. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, I'm taking my time because I believe it is quite the statement and the Beatitudes that the king is making. So bless has to do, you being blessed, has to do with what you have going for you. Or what you possess. Or what is counted as yours. Hmm. Okay, can, can, can we just follow me with this? So then, if that's the case, then to be blessed is about what you have that you ought to be happy about. You hear that? Because to be blessed has to do with what you have going for you. What you possess or what is counted as yours. So, to be blessed, if you're truly blessed, it means you have something that you ought to be happy about. Amen. And it doesn't have to be material. It doesn't have to be material. It doesn't have to be something of this world. So, because it doesn't have to be material, some people don't know what they have. <laughs> so we got people walking around blessed and don't even know it. Don't even know it. But blessed. Amen. Don't you like this? I'm sorry, but I, I like this. Amen. Some Christians need to be notified if they truly are his that they're blessed. Always complaining. Always seeing the the dark side of the matter. Somebody's always doing something wrong. But if you're his, you're blessed and you don't even know it. But Jesus, I'm sorry, who is he? He's the king. The king is going to give us his assessment. Of what it is to be blessed. You see where I got the outline from? Because I read it. <laughs> he gives his assessment. Of what it is to be blessed. 
So, so he's going to interject in the conversation of what it means to be blessed. I, I love it, you know. The Pharisees would ask, who gives you the authority? They don't even understand who they're asking. He says, I am the authority. <laughs> I mean, again, you, you just go through Matthew. Matthew wants to make sure we understand he's the king. You go to the end of Matthew, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And so, you know, when you want information on a subject matter, you want to go to someone who has authority in the subject. What better authority? What better expert than the king? So Jesus, the king, remember the throne is his. He's going to define for us his idea of blessed. So you're going to find that Jesus is going to challenge some of our concepts of what it is to be blessed. I'm going to make this statement, and I wrote it down just to make sure that I made this statement. We've got to watch out because we tend to long for things God doesn't long for us to have. Um, did I hear any amens out there? We tend to long for things God doesn't long for us to have. And we don't necessarily go to God to see if we ought to have it. But we work hard to get it. See, these are people who are blessed and don't even know it. They don't think they have anything going for them, and so they try to go for Something that they think goes for them. Won't be right till they get married. Oh, amen. <laughs> Won't be right until they move into a two-story house. Won't be right until they drive a certain vehicle. I'm telling you, who's them? You see why, I mean, this opens it up for me. And I want to see all believers ought to just pay attention to this because we are the them. And when we step out of them and get too big for our britches, we need to come back to where we came from. Because we can do without a lot of things. Uh, let me keep going. But there's one thing that we want to make sure that we have. We count ourselves blessed behind those things that God doesn't necessarily want us to have. And that's sad. That is sad. Amen. That's sad. So, so you know, I just, I just challenge you in this. You know, what are you fighting so hard for? And I would challenge you to go take it to God in prayer and see if you're wasting your energy. I would just do it. Now, you're going to do what you want to do, but why don't you get God's take on the matter? So, Jesus doesn't necessarily seem to flow with our various concepts of being blessed. But you will find out he's not going to deviate from the scriptures. <laughs> you know that, right? He's not going to contradict the scriptures. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 32. Psalms 32. So let's not get it twisted. Again, we're going to find out some more about being blessed. Trust me, we're, we're nowhere close to being done with this. Verse number one says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, 
whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now that's blessed. You know, you have something that you ought to be happy about. So when he lets us know his idea of being blessed, he's not going to deviate from the scriptures. The blessed condition is going to include those whose transgression is forgiven, those whose sin is covered, those to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit is no God. Look at this in verse or chapter 34. Verse number 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. If you trust in him, you're blessed. Yet he's not going to deviate from that. So I want you to understand. When he talks about just these two passages of scripture. Chapter 32, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Chapter 34, blessed is the man that trusts in him. So when Jesus gives his idea of being blessed, it is going to refer to those whose heart is towards God. It's going to refer to those whose heart is toward God. This is important because when you see it in the context of the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes is going to be a blessing to you. Now turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. So, who is he? He's the king. Who are them? They're, they're his followers. They're following his ministry. What does he teach? He teaches the kingdom of heaven. So when he talks about being blessed, he's talking about being blessed in terms of the kingdom of heaven. So what, it mean, what does it mean to be blessed with respect to the kingdom of heaven? In a kingdom, yeah, write this down, you need to write this down. In a kingdom, the highest state of well-being is when you have favor with the king. In a kingdom, if you are a citizen of the kingdom, the highest state of well-being is when you have favor with the king. Amen. See, if the king looks upon you with favor and you are a citizen of the king, you've reached the pinnacle. You can't be any more well off than when the king looks upon you with favor. When you're an individual and you're standing next to an individual with a favor, you'll say, I want to be like that. <laughs> I want to have that kind of favor. 
Hallelujah to your name. Now, now, too many people fight for favor from the wrong people. I, 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 don't, I can't get this across to you. I'm, I'm talking to church folk now. Now, you ought to not be a drag on your pastor, but your pastor would be pleased with you if you please God. But in the church, there are too many hangers-on, but they're not hanging on to the king. And hangers-on frustrate. (laughs) Amen. I'll leave it at that. It frustrates. Hang on to the king. Find his favor. All else will be right then. Let me tell you, when a person has favor with the king, you might have favor with the king. Even your enemies will be at peace with you. So, if you're in a kingdom, see, there's a current age and there's a future age to come. Hallelujah. I'm going back over some things because remember I said when a man gives his heart over to God, the result is grace. Moses said, if I have found grace, if I have found favor in your sight. Amen. Mm, 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 mm. Luke chapter 1. Are you there? Let's start at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed. There is no better state of well-being than when the king says, You have favor with me. Psalms chapter 65. Psalm 65. Psalm 65. See, some people are blessed and know it. See, they sing different tunes than those who are blessed and don't know it. (laughs) Amen. Psalm 65. See, those who are blessed and know it, they don't care what they look like to you. You might laugh at the shoes that I wear. You might laugh at the cars that I drive. You might laugh that I don't even have a car and I might ride the bus. But when I'm blessed and I know it, who cares? I got favor with the king. (laughs) Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house even of thy holy temple. See, when you have favor and you're invited in, you get to enjoy it. Because who has the best stuff? (laughs) Who has the best eats? 
Who has all the provision? When the rest of the kingdom is going dry, who's going to be the last one to go dry? You want to be in favor with the king. So to be blessed is to stand in favor with or have the favor of the king. That's what it is right there. To be blessed is to stand in favor with or have the favor of the king. Yeah, we're going to run through scripture. I just got to make you do it, Donna. Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to look at people being blessed. Natural examples. Genesis 41 verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. This is Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Verse 38 says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Now that's favor. <laughs> That's favor. And no doubt, many people looked at Joseph and said, now he's blessed. <laughs> but when you're in favor with the king, you've reached the pinnacle. You can't go any higher. He, he, Pharaoh said, there's none higher than me. And between me and you, there's no one higher. Wow. So you can't be me, but nobody else can be you. The book of Esther. <laughs> Chapter 6. Oh, don't you love how God just, he, he has it in the scripture already. Just love that. He hides it in plain sight. The book of Esther. Chapter 6. I love this. I love the book of Esther. It's just, it's, that's our God. That's all I can say. That's our God. And he does it in such a way that it just seems so wrong for them that are wrong. Because <laughs> he will repay those who hate them, who hate him to their face. He's not playing around with that. But when you have favor, oh, he'll turn it around. He'll flip the script on your behalf. See, if you read Esther, just read Esther. Find out who Haman is and find out what Haman had in store. But then there's somebody who had favor with God. Evil was intended against the one who had favor. You want the favor of the king. Esther chapter 6, starting at verse 7. And Haman answered the king. For the man whom the king delighted to honor. See, that's somebody who has favor. Let the royal apparel be brought, which the king useth to wear. 
and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Haman thought this was coming to him. But he didn't have favor of the king. He was an enemy to one who had favor. Verse 10, Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai, the Jew, that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. See, this is what the person who's a citizen of the kingdom gets when they have favor with the king. Oh man, I, I want to go. You're in Esther. Let's jump down to chapter 7. Esther had favor as well as Mordecai. Verse number 1 says, So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight. You see what she's saying? Oh, you're saying I have favor? See, because when you have favor, ask. And you shall receive. Seek. And you shall find. Knock. And that door will be open to you. See, some people walk around blessed, don't even know it. It's about what you have going for you that you ought to be happy about. Genesis chapter 32. Isn't the word of God just good? Because it relays his nature. It relates who he is to us. you got to love him. <laughs> got to. Genesis 32. Oh yes, this is uh, this is outstanding. Genesis thirty-two, verse yeah, verse twenty-six. Now, if you're familiar with this, this is when Jacob wrestled. Mm, how do I have to read this? Let's start at verse twenty-four. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he, being that man, touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And this man said, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. In other words, I want to leave here blessed. Verse 27, he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Israel meaning a prince with God. In other words, you have favor. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thy power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. Hallelujah. He says, Bless me. He says, Let me show you the blessing. Be a prince with God. Then you're blessed. 
And a prince with God has power. In other words, God hears you. God has his eyes on you and his eyes towards you is good. Matthew chapter 25. I just want to show you. Matthew chapter 25. He said he walked in there, Jacob, but he walked out blessed. He walked in a trickster, but walked out a prince with God. Matthew chapter 25. Such were some of us. <laughs> That's our story. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it's going to make me go places. All right. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, In this we have the parable on the talent. Wow. How much of this do I want to read? I don't want to read that much. All right. Verse number 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant that has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I'm telling you, there's none greater. There is not a greater position of being well off than to have the one who is ruler, the one who is king, Say, enter into my joy. Well done, you good and your faithful servant. That's the pinnacle. That's the highest. That's what it means to be blessed in the kingdom. Now, make no mistake about this. (laughs) Our being blessed is contingent Upon us remaining in Christ. Do not get it confused. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew has a lot in it. Matthew tells quite a bit. Starting at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, The heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, it's in Christ that God is pleased. And we find favor with God and with Christ when we remain in him. You see how this is coming together about the kingdom of heaven as well? There's a current age. Your ticket has not yet been punched. 
There's a future age coming. We must remain in Him. He does not give us a hard task. He just says, stay with Him. Remain with Him. Don't leave Him. Look at this in Luke chapter 16. Yeah, we'll go to Luke chapter 16. So you are being blessed still. So to be blessed in the kingdom is to have the favor of, have favor with the king. But the favored one is Christ. So we must, we must remain in him. See, because if we come without Christ, there is no favor for us. We cannot approach without Him. <laughs> he is the door. We must enter by Him. He is the way. There is no other entryway but through Him. We must remain with Him. Luke chapter 16. <laughs> wow, this is great. To me, this is outstanding. All right, this is good. Let's, let's get into this. Verse number 19. Many of us are familiar with this. In fact, I'm not going to read it all. How about that? Yeah, I'm not going to read it all. Otherwise, you know me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to you. But read it if you have not read it before. Starting at verse 19 all the way through to the end. There is Lazarus. Well, let's start reading it. Okay, I can't help myself. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Now, in the world, they would look at this rich man and say, now he's blessed. I'm sorry, in Christendom in many places, in this modern day, we would look at that individual and say that they are blessed. We have Christians who want to take on this persona, and have other people call them blessed. But what better assessment than to have the king call you blessed? Who cares what other people say about you? See, there are people who are walking around here blessed, don't even know it. Wanting other people to call them blessed. While others don't care what people think about them, they know they're blessed. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, if you ask the common individual today between these two, who's blessed? They said, give me the rich man every time. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. I love it. See, the imagery of the Bible to me is just remarkable. We have a procession with this beggar. He is carried. And I see a great big casket. I see it decked out. I see that, the, I see that those who are carrying... Lazarus, they have spared no expense. I see a great processional with him. I see music playing. I see flowers galore. 
Then I see this rich man, well, he died too. (laughs) And in hell, that rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Do you hear that? In his bosom. He's not just in any old place. He's in his bosom. That's a place of love. That's a place of rest. That's a place of security. So who was more blessed? I'm sorry, more. Who was blessed? Here we are. We're longing for more money. And God says, you have just what you need. Working hard to get the more. And God's like, you know, why you labor so hard? When I have something here that's for free. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Now we're starting to get a picture here. Man, I don't even have this in my notes. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So here's the king's assessment. He's talking to them. Now we know who them are. And his assessment is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you've got something you ought to be happy about. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. And then, now, now when you get this picture, then we can just go down the Beatitudes and start to get a picture of who he's talking about. Blessed are they that mourn. Wait, wait, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted. These are those who are abiding in the current age of the kingdom and have all kind of things going against them, but they're not giving up. And the king looks at them and says, blessed. 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 Do you, oh, wow, here you are in the crowd. Here you are. Other people have walked past you, didn't think to say anything to you, looked down on you, turned away from you. But here's the king. He says, you got favor with the king. See, that's the king's assessment. And I'm going to stop right there. Because we're going to get into the poor in the spirit next time. But I'm telling you, there's no teacher like our Lord. And there's no king like our king. Hallelujah. When you think about when Israel jumped God in line and said, give us a king, when God said, you're not ready. Or in other words, the king I have for you is not ready. When they jumped in line, God told them, he's going to take your best. He's going to take your finest. He's going to take your strongest and take them for yourselves. But here comes the king of kings. He says, give me the poor. Give me the afflicted. Give me the sick. Those are my people. And my assessment of them is blessed. What confidence. What assurance. What a king. I'm going to stop right there.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.